Are you a musician that wants to put your music out in the world? Well, check out Barefoot Studios. They are a new premier recording studio and record label here in Texas. Come take off your shoes and record your next big hit at Barefoot Studios. It's 15 minutes outside of Abilene. You can give them a call at 325-864-3679. Barefoot Studios, bringing your music to life. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of love Hey, welcome to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan. Great to have you joining us today. We are a sports medicine show. What we do is talk about what's going on in the sports entertainment world and do that from a sports medicine niche. And uh, my job, as my day job goes, is at Texas Sport and Spine. What I do there is I talk to people about knee, hip, back, shoulder, all kinds of different musculoskeletal injuries, and I do that as a non-surgical sports medicine doctor. So here on air, what we do is we talk about different injuries that occur to maybe your favorite player on your favorite team, how long they could uh, last, uh, what those types of injuries entail, uh, what we're looking at as far as that injury, what it involves anatomically, those types of things. So we really do what I do in my day job. I do it here on Docs and Jocks and love to do it, and I love interacting with our callers and our guests. And I tell you what, if you ever want to contact us, the easiest way to do that is Go to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. And there you can email us and contact us. We'd love to have your question be part of our show on each and every show. Remember, you can always follow us on social media as well. And all you need to do there, uh, we're, our handle is docsandjocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. Love to have you part of our show that way. And you can also listen to us. Maybe you don't catch our uh, radio show uh, routinely and you're catching it at a friend's house or just while you're traveling. If you want to listen to our show on our iTunes podcast, catch it anytime, anywhere at your convenience, just uh, subscribe to Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Man, I'm joined this week by my co-host, is uh, Brandon Hawk, Ferris Potter, my uh, regular co-host, is out uh, doing Grand Canyon University, uh, traveling with the, the teams there. He's their sports broadcaster. So Brandon Hawk, my producer here on Docs and Jocks, who's a longtime athletic trainer with the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and we're going to be talking a little college basketball and what the Texas Tech Red Raiders are doing, as well as he was the athletic trainer for the Dallas Cowboys, is joining me this week. Hawk, a lot of fun things happen on today's show. Yeah, absolutely. You know I'm definitely excited about my Red Raiders. I uh, know, man. In round two. Ooh, and- got a little sweat going on and coming with the uh, <laughs> opening round, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's always the case with the uh, March Madness. Love college basketball this time of the year. For sure. We're also going to have some great guests. We're on the other, other side of this short commercial break, we'll have here in a minute, we're going to talk to Dr. Clifford DePrang about Steph Curry's recurrent ankle injury, as well as Marcus Smart, this uh, Boston Celtics point guard, him going down with a thumb surgery. We're going to talk about what that entails. We're also going to have on Jim Joyner. Jim is the creator and the inventor of the All-Star Ace 5000, which was the Best of Show award uh, for the American Baseball Coaches Association uh, this, this, uh, in the past. And what it does is a virtual pitching machine. So you actually see a pitcher, and then you watch them throw it. And so it's a batting machine, a pitching machine, but it has a virtual pitcher. We'll be talking about that and more with Jim Joyner. Then we're going to have our Coach Scotty Sanchez on, talking about the passing of Augie Garrido, the all-time winningest coach in college uh, baseball now. And as always, I love with Miss Tracy Munt doing our mental minute, our mental strength minute. We'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks. Sports Training Facility, formerly D1, is the only sports training facility in West Texas that utilizes components of mental, physical, and spiritual training for adults and youth. With a wide variety of boot camps and strength classes throughout the day, our elite coaches will help you set and accomplish your goals. There is no better place or time to join. Come in or visit our website, theforgeabling.com, and get a one-week free trial. The Forge Abilene, where iron sharpens iron, changing lives one workout at a time. No one burns calories like Firehouse Subs. Introducing our hearty and flavorful under 500 calorie menu. Steaming hot sriracha beef, hook and ladder light, turkey cranberry, and more. Six new subs, four new salads, overflowing with flavor under 500 calories. And starting at only $5.49. Under 500 calories never tasted so hearty and flavorful. Firehouse Subs. One bite, one taste, you're hooked. Welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. My name is Dr. Dan. Great to have you join us today. Just catching our show for the first time. Want to find out more about our show? You can do so by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com. Join this week as my co-host, uh, Brandon Hawk. Hawk is the longtime athletic trainer with the Dallas Cowboys as well as the Texas Tech Red Raiders, where I stole him from them, and uh, he became the producer of Docs and Jocks here. So, Hawk, we're very honored to have on in uh, line with us Dr. Clifford DePrang. Dr. DePrang is an orthopedic surgeon who did a fellowship in sports medicine 
medicine. I'm a non-surgical ortho, uh, sports medicine physician uh, that also specializes in sports medicine. So Dr. Dupree and I both love sports and love taking care of young athletes and, and old athletes, uh, weekend warriors as well. So we love taking care of uh, athletes of all ages. And uh, I thought, uh, Dr. Dupree, first of all, thank you for being on Docs and Jocks. You bet. Thanks for having me. Hey, so one of the things I thought we would talk about, there's a couple big NBA injuries right now, and I thought you and I could kind of talk about it uh, from what it what it is that the injury is and does it need surgery. The first one is Steph Curry, probably right now the uh, most dynamic basketball player in the NBA with the Golden State Warriors where he's a point guard doing all kinds of crazy stuff uh, with uh, the Golden State Warriors. He just had his third uh, ankle injury. He had an ankle sprain, and so Talk to our listening audience about why sometimes we see ankle injuries be recurrent and uh, why they happen like that. Well, first, basketball is one of our most common sports to see ankle injuries. When you you know come down awkwardly, your ankle is in a position that can roll or invert, and that you know it's a classic uh, sprain. So he's in a sport that's going to have you know a high likelihood of getting a first sprain, and so after an ankle sprain, typically you know you recover, you heal, and um, and everything is good unless it's um, it's healed a little bit loose. So your ligaments, when they heal back, they can heal nice and tight and snug. Um, but if they don't quite as well, or if maybe you pushed it a little too hard and went back too quickly um, and didn't heal as well, you're going to be a, a setup for a repeat injury. You know, they talked. There's been some. Uh news reports where they mentioned that possibly he would be looking at surgery if it kept on going. And we know that's uh, uncommon, but tell us, our listening audience, if someone did have severe, severe instability of their ankle that required surgery, why would that be and what would that entail? Well, it's typically just, be, uh, well, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, one is it, it didn't heal well or it started out too loose. Some people right. have just generalized laxity and they they could need the surgery even without severe sprains in the past. They just keep rolling it. But with him, most likely it was a severe sprain. It didn't, didn't heal well, and now it's just too loose. He's got too much slack in the ligament. So now that ligament is not giving him the support he needs, and so it lets it roll again and again. And how would you, if it, if it does happen and you had to do surgery, and I'm sure you had done that in athletes, how would you tighten up those ligaments, and how, what, what would that surgery entail? Well, it's uh, it's outpatient surgery. You go home the same day, so it's you know relatively minor surgery, but the recovery takes some time. So basically, what we do with ligament reconstruction is we typically will put a new ligament in place or re kind of reinforce the ligament that's already there, depending on how much ligament has been damaged. So we'll repair it or reinforce it, and then you have to let it heal. And now we're just waiting on biology. The surgery happens, you know, in a day, but then you're waiting on the recovery and the healing, and the scar tissue has to get strong before you can get back on it. Right. And, you know, uh, Marcus Smart, the Boston Celtics point guard, he went, he was diving after a ball, and he, when he dove, his thumb got pushed backwards, and when it did, it uh, tore or ruptured the ulnar collateral ligament. Now, he's going to have to have surgery on that. They're talking about him being out an extended period of time, which is going to hurt the Boston Celtics, obviously, uh, here in the playoff run that she's getting ready to start. So, uh, first of all, tell our listening audience what an ulnar collateral ligament injury to the thumb entails and how it occurs and how you repair it. Well, it's very analogous to in the knee. A lot of people know about the medial collateral ligament, an MCL sprain. Well, this is a similar ligament in the thumb that helps prevent your thumb from kind of bending in the wrong direction and uh, unfortunately that ligament typically when it tears it doesn't get back into a good position to heal well like in, in the knee the mcl will heal very often um 100 and typically you don't need any surgery you just need time yeah but the the ulnar collateral ligament in the thumb when it tears it doesn't get back into a position that it can heal so if you don't have surgery, it's going to have too much play or too much slack in it, and your thumb will not give you that good support. Right. Hawk, do you have a question for Dr. Clifford Dupre? Yeah, hey, Dr. Dupre. When we're talking about return to play and timeline here, obviously with the playoffs coming up is a pretty big question on the organization's mind. What's the quickest you've probably seen a player or athlete come back from this type of surgery? For the thumb, ulnar collateral? Yes. yes. You know, if you can go back in a brace, you can go back a lot sooner. So, unfortunately, with basketball, you can't play well in a thumb spica brace, which is where it immobilizes your entire thumb. So this is when you're going to be able to 
have to be a, basically 100% to go back to. You're really looking at a minimum of three months, but more likely six months before you're really getting back to 100%. Right. So if you go back at three months, you're really pushing the limits. And, um, you know, some of these, you know, NBA guys are, are you know, willing to push the limits. But uh, in general, it takes three months for scar tissue to get strong. Right. So you're just now getting there. Well, Dr. Prang, I want to say thanks for coming on, Docs and Jocks. And Dr. Prang is with Abilene Sports Medicine and Orthopedics. And so appreciate you coming on the show and uh, talking about both Steph Curry and Marcus Smart's injuries. Thank you. You bet. My pleasure. All right. Hey, Hawk, I thought one of the things that we could talk about with the Steph Curry injury, you know, uh, the Golden State Warriors, remember a couple years ago, LeBron James uh, was talking about how the Cleveland Cavaliers lost in the NBA Finals to the Golden State Warriors because the Golden State Warriors had been what he quoted was lucky to avoid the injury book. Well, the Golden State Warriors took offense to that because they said, we would have beat you. Had we had injuries, we'd still beat you. If you were healthy, your team was healthy. Remember, they had, uh, man, they were just devastated that year. They lost Kevin Love. They lost Kyrie Irving. So LeBron was pretty much carrying that team on his own. He had a point guard that came out of nowhere that did great that year. But, you know, he he was basically saying, if you had the same injuries we did, that, you know, we we could beat you. Well, the Golden State Warriors (laughs) took offense. Well, now you look at it, we may have the reverse world going on here. We got Steph Curry. You know, he's been out uh, really uh, probably going to be out until about uh, mid-March, I mean late March, Mar- probably March 23rd, 25th, somewhere around that time if you look at how long it normally takes to come back from severe ankle sprains. Kevin Durant has now missed some games. He's a game-to-game, day-to-day decision based on he's having some rib injuries that he's dealing with. Clay Thompson now, he's out. His shooting hand thumb, kind of like what we talked about with Marcus uh, Smart, he has an injury to his thumb. It doesn't sound like it's going to be as severe. They're predicting that he's going to be out about the same time that Steph Curry was out, probably late March, looking around March 22nd, what's been reported. And then you got Draymond Green, uh, their center, who's, who's missed games, due, power forward who's missed games due to multiple different, different ailments, including shoulders and elbows. So if you take Steph Curry not at his best, Kevin Durant not at his best, Clay Thompson not at his best, and Draymond Green not at his best, we may have – well, exactly what LeBron was talking about. You have to have not only great talent, you got to get hot at the right time, but you have to avoid the injury bug. And it looks like Golden State Warriors may now be having that going on there. But do you remember the comments a couple of years ago where LeBron said uh, they just got lucky and avoided the injuries? Oh, yeah, I definitely remember that. And I also remember the, the start of the season the Golden State Warriors had. I can't remember how long they went without losing a game. But, I mean, I, I think it is kind of irony here that yeah. uh, we are in the opposite position. And, and like you said, with with that Golden State not having any of those guys at full strength, I can't imagine who would play in their place. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we talk about Livingston. You know, <laughs> I don't even know who goes on after that. Like who it is after that. But. I know you. You know you talk about all the time. There's people are backups for a reason. I yeah. Mean, so yeah. it'd be interesting to see down the stretch. Yeah, and you know the other thing is Clay Thompson. You may be asking why does he have a shooting thumb, shooting hand thumb injury, and he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. And you've got Marcus Smart who's going to be out after surgery for the entire season. Remember, there's different severities of every injury, even a, even among alder collateral ligament injuries to the to the ligament on the inside of your thumb. You can stretch it, and it's painful. It's called a skier's thumb or gamekeeper's thumb. This, you know, imagine the easiest one for me to put in my head is a skier's thumb because we've all probably been on ski slopes somewhere, and you're holding your ski poles, and it gets wedged in the snow, but your hand keeps going, and it pulls your thumbs backward. And that's, what a, that's the injury that you sustained, and not for ski. You know, every just ski or skiing, but any injury where it gets pulled backwards. So you can sprain it to where you just feel pain if you push on it. Uh, you can sprain it uh, more severely where there's some fiber tearing, but there's a stop when you pull it back. And then there's ones where you rupture it completely, where you have not only an injury to the ligament, but sometimes you even pull off a little piece of the bone with it and it's a full on uh, rupture and it's unstable and they have to have surgery done to it. So all different varieties of that injury, even even if it is the same injury, which Clay Thompson hasn't been hasn't come out and said exactly what his injury is, but yeah. Doctor Dan, I have a question for you. So you know you see those people all the time that can touch their thumb uh-huh. to their forearm. So if someone like that were to have like a UCL injury or if that's even possible, what would be like a return for them? You know, it's different in everybody because we're all made differently. That's called hypermobility syndrome. It's one of the tests we do. We try and bend your wrist, flex as far far forward as you can. Now take your thumb and try and touch the front of your forearm with it. Most people on the planet can't do that. There's a small percentage of people that can. Uh, Those people have so much laxity in their joints that they very rarely have 
those types of injuries because I don't know how far you would go to eventually tear your <laughs> ligament, but it'd have to go a lot longer, and yeah. then you probably have a stop gap of your forearm being in the way. So, yeah, those guys, uh, you know, they go in. If, if it's truly unstable, they'll have the same amount of return. Uh, so how long it's going to take is it someone who doesn't have that. Really, either the ligament's intact or it's it's not. Either it's stable or it's unstable. Okay. And so really, it's as far as how long it takes. Yeah, but that's a real common uh, question we get asked. What's normal as far as range of motion? And really, honestly, we're not symmetrical. And we're not all equal in our flexibility, as you well know. And lots of people have different injuries because either they're very inflexible or they are hypermobile or have too much flexibility. So where you fall on that bell-shaped curve oftentimes determines what different types of injuries you're going to have. If you have a lot of mobility in your joints, you're probably going to make like a great swimmer, a great gymnast, uh, cheerleader. If you are very inflexible, very strong, you're probably going to be a great power lifter, but maybe not have uh, the same you know injuries as the person who is super flexible. So people who tend to be hypermobile tend to become yoga instructors. People who tend to be very inflexible become power lifters. That's just kind of the world we live in. You, you tend to gravitate towards what you're really good at. Yeah, that, so, makes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Great question, though, as far as uh, are we made symmetrical? Are we made exactly the same? People are all made differently. And the longer I do this, the more I realize that. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Jim Joyner, the inventor of the virtual pitching machine. We'll be talking about that and more here on Docs and Jocks. Homer's Bar Music Venue is a new venue in Abilene, Texas. Located at 4201 North 1st, we have a wide range of entertainment when it comes to gaming, with tournaments with Smash Bros and Madden, local and live national bands, and of course, happy hour specials. Noon to 7.30, 50 cents off everything. Homer's Bar Music Venue, 4201 North 1st Street. Make our home your home. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by West Texas Neurosurgery, Abilene Tech, and Sports Clips. Touchdown. Now, back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks. Great to have you listening today. Hey, if you're just catching our show for the very first time, we're a sports medicine radio show, and you can catch our show anytime, anywhere by going to our iTunes podcast if you're outside of our radio station listening audience. Anytime, anywhere at Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, and you can subscribe to your iTunes podcast. It'd be great to have you part of our show that way as well. Hey, uh, Brandon Hawk is filling in for my regular co-host today. Brandon is a longtime Dallas Cowboys as well as a Texas Tech Red Raiders uh, athletic trainer. And Hawk, we are very privileged to have online with us Jim Joyner. Jim is both the owner and uh, inventor of the All-Star Ace 5000, a virtual video uh, pitching simulator. And uh, this is a product that I got to use or first was introduced to by a good friend of mine, Matt Mueller, up in Stanford, who had heard of this product. It actually won Best of Show at the American Baseball Coaches Association. And uh, once I saw it, I was like, man, that is it. That is the product, I think, that is going to help my take my young son, who is a high school baseball player, to the next level. So Doctor or uh, Doctor Joiner, probably you are. You're, you're the doctor of engineering. But Jim, uh, thank you so much for being on Docs and Jocks. Well, thank you, Dan. Yeah, appreciate it. So you know when I first was when I first saw this product, and, I, and you and I were talking about this. Uh, we've talked about it before, but off air. You know, I grew up in uh, playing college baseball in the late '80s or early '90s, and for me, pitching machines. I, I really did not like hitting off them because I felt like once I faced live pitching, then it messed my timing up because typically you know you put a ball in a pitching machine and it's coming at you at a high speed you don't have time to do your load you don't have time to get ready and it was so much different than a live pitching for me I felt like uh, it threw my timing off and baseball is both swing mechanics as well as timing you know and then the art of hitting you know knowing what pitch is going to come on what count those types of things and so when I saw this product for the first time and I'm going to let you describe it but but basically, now it combined the best of both worlds. It was a simulated live pitching and a pitching machine, and I felt like it was the perfect product. So tell us how you came up with the idea, and then describe what the All-Star Ace 5000, exactly how it is and put together. Sure. Back in 2003, um, I sold my home, and we were moving to another uh, place. And during that time, I said, you know, I'm getting to the point. I've been working for everybody else my whole life. And, you know, I'm going to take some of these proceeds of the house sale, and I'm going to turn it into the best video pitching simulation system out on the market. And I'd seen some back in 1990s running off of VHS tape and stuff, and it just wasn't up to speed, no timing, just horrible. It was kind of worse than a pitching machine. (laughs) Yeah. So... 
six months later, working all day, working all night, you know, no pay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just chunking away at the code, the hardware, making it the best I could possibly make it. Uh, I brought it out. And I brought out a system that could only do one pitch down the middle. And I said, okay, that's just not going to do it. I said, these, to be a competitive, to be the person you need to be, we're going to have to provide the breaking balls. We've got to have breaking balls. We've got to have sliders, change up. We've got to do all this. So I researched the market, came back out in 2000, into 2006, working with, I had talked to a major league trainer, uh, Dr. Chris Yeager, and he said, Jim, your system's got to have a few more parameters. So I went back to drawing board a few months later. I came out at the end of 2006 with what is now basically a world-famous All-Star Ace 5000. And it just, out of the gate, when we got to the ABCA, it took best to show. And you're right, Dr. Dan, timing. Yeah. You can see simulators on the market. And not all things are created equal. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not saying we have the best equipment. It's my customers. It's the end baseball user. It's the, the, the children, the teens, the adults that are using our equipment. Their batting averages are skyrocketing. Uh, we're hearing reports of 500. I think your own son's at 500. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, these are the results. It's not me tooting my own horn trying to make a sale. I, I created this to be the most accurate, most affordable, most reliable system on the market. And we hit on all cylinders. That's what we got. We're selling them to D1 colleges, high schools. We've got people putting them in the backyards. We, we are just really proliferating the product all across the country. And the phone, my phone keeps ringing, not for service, but they're calling back saying, oh, my gosh. Jim, this thing is the greatest thing we've seen. Look what my daughter's doing because we do fast pitch. Look what my son's doing because we do baseball. And the number one thing, you hit on it, is timing. Timing. A simulator is not even worth its salt if it isn't timed. And I've heard about horror stories of untimed simulators across the market. So... The All-Star Ace 5000 is not going to disappoint. That's our guarantee. Every pitch, every day, all day, sync sync with the video. One of the things I was going to try and do is explain for the listening audience what this exactly looks like. So when you're batting, you're looking at a screen that is sitting the exact distance that normally a pitcher, when he lets the ball go, that's where the screen is. And it's a large video screen that's about the size of the end of a batting cage. So about halfway between you and that screen, that video screen, sits on the ground inside a protected container, a a, a video machine that is is, going to shoot the image up onto that screen. So the projector is shooting it up onto the screen and is now life-size. So when you're standing there and hitting, you're looking at a picture that looks exactly like, and by the way, there's Little League, there's high school, there's college and pro. You pick your own picture, and you can pick the hand that he you want to throw, you want to hit off of. So my son, who's a switch hitter, it's perfect because when he the left-handed pitcher's throwing, he's batting right-handed. When the right-handed pitcher's throwing on the virtual hitting machine, on the All-Star Ace 5000, he's hitting from the other side. And so you can, it's amazing, Jim, because you figured out, and I don't know how you've done it, because I've hit off a lot of pitching machines over my career. You are very precise when you pick a, and you pick the height and where the pitch occurs right to left. So inside, outside, up, down, and you can throw a slider, you can throw a drop curve, you can throw, you pick the speed, so you can throw a changeup, or you can throw a fastball, and it moves relatively quickly, so it's you are truly, truly simulating a real at bat. And by the way, you can program in a series of like eight pitches, so if you want to do a regular bat, so... Usually, pitchers start off with a fastball, so we do a fastball at you know 85 miles an hour, and then you know we're going to go a curve, and then we're going to go fastball again, and then we're going to go change up. So it's it's the best of all worlds in the fact that you get to see a live pitcher on a screen who is now going to throw a series of pitches that your son or daughter who's ever hitting off this doesn't necessarily know what's coming. So you don't have a, and it's very very accurate. 
so you don't have to have a live pitcher out there throwing their arm out and, and be worried about hit being hit in the head. It's so per, you know really really accurate that you could get that same pitch over and over again. And I, the other thing I love about it, Jim, is that when let's say if I know a stud pitcher is going to be pitching in the state championship and he throws sliders and my son's going to be facing a left-handed slider, guess what? I can program in a left-handed slider that throws, I don't know, whatever that kid's throwing, 80-mile-an-hour slider, and suddenly, bam, he's taking batting practice off the exact same pitch that he's going to be seeing in that game. And that's what's exactly. really, really neat about it. Exactly. So, yeah, so I hope yep. I that I described that well as far as the projector, the screen. Oh, and by the way, the pitching machine is sitting behind the screen, and there's a hole cut where the ball comes out of the screen. That's how the pitching machine shoots the ball out. Somehow Jim, in his magic, uh, figured out how to time the pitching machine with the video, and therein lies the All-Star Ace 5000 magic, is how you timed all that together and figured out how to make that pitch timing so perfect to the guy throwing. I, I, don't, I don't know how you do that. My mind doesn't work like yours, but it's, I'm glad there are people like you on the planet. <laughs> well, let, let me just give you a little insight to it. It's called Sure Pitch. Sure Pitch is our registered name for the technology. And what that means, in a very simple term, you're not in there fidgeting around with your simulator trying to get it timed. You don't have to calibrate. You don't have to do anything. Sure pitch is an automated system. If the ball got wet and slowed the ball down at all, sure pitch adjusts the timing. If the wheels wore down a little bit, we noticed that that time, hundreds of millions of seconds is variant, and we vary it in our synchronization. So we have a live closed loop interactive synchronization system that's way over everybody's head i understand that exactly that's what's so beautiful it's behind (laughs) the scenes it's a push button start stop change your picture so from a coach a coaching standpoint and an end user it can't get any simpler than this it is the most simplest um system to use the yet all the complexity behind there. So you can imagine you're about to throw a 90 mile per hour ball. You have video streaming very fast on the screen. There's yeah. your frame rate. All of a sudden, the ball has to come through, be in the hole at the when the hand gets there to mimic a life size, lifelike picture. So we're going to deliver you live pitching. So the ball can't be early. The ball can't be late. It's got to be on time. And how do we know we're on time? Because we've tested it and we've develop the algorithm and the end result of us knowing we're on time look what's happened to all the hitters that get into our simulator they improve because they're getting real pitches from a live pitcher and the pitching machine that everybody hates is now out of the equation it's been erased it's it's gone it's behind the screen but don't worry about that because you'll never even feel you're hitting off a machine you'll feel you're hitting off a major league yeah. minor league top college pitcher. Right. Yes, you do. Hawk, you have a question for Mr. Joyner? Hey, Jim. Yeah, you know, uh, Dr. Dan invited me over one day, and I actually got to experience the uh, All-Star Ace 5000 myself, and uh, I quickly uh, was... uh I guess can confer- confirm that I made the right choice in my career because uh, <laughs> uh, as an athletic trainer, because you know I hit the fastball okay, and then Doctor Dan goes, "Hey, watch this. Let's hit a curveball." <laughs> I said, "Well, this is the reason I'm not playing baseball." <laughs> and so to say that, I want to say like you know people are thinking, "Oh, this is probably just some easy curveball," but no, yeah. it's like real. You know, pitches and the uh, authenticity of it is is really you know once you see it, you can really believe it. Yeah, I've had I've had people say when they see that curveball, what? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> it's like if I can hit that, I'm going to be really good. It's just really good, strong pitching. Yeah, and the reproducibility of that same curve, you can do it over and over and over again. I don't know exactly how you got it. I've, I've hit off a lot of pitching machines where I felt like you know I had to constantly be adjusting them up and down and in and out. But with the Ace All Star uh, on the All Star Ace Five Thousand, I feel like. It is so reproducible that if I have struggle with a slider, I struggle with a curveball, we could do that same pitch without having to, you know, the variable of the pitching machine not throwing the same pitch has been taken out of the equation. That's one of the really, really cool things about it. You know, I, I exactly. We had on Lance Berkman, and Lance Berkman was talking about 
how he doesn't like taking a lot of dead arm pitching because that's what most hitters do. You know, you hit off a tee, you hit off dead arm pitching, you know, batting practice pitching at slow speeds from their coach or their dad. And then next thing you know, you step into the box in a real game situation, and now you have this guy throwing, you know, 85 miles an hour, whatever level you're at, and you haven't seen that before. So Lance said he didn't like taking a lot of dead arm pitching because it threw him off of a live game situation. This is what the I believe that the All-Star Ace 5000 fills that gap in. You can now get live pitching and not having to see a lot of dead arm pitching throws your, throws your timing off, but I really feel like you've hit a niche with baseball players that, that really hasn't been filled to this point. Either it cost too much, it was not, the pitches weren't precise enough, or it just didn't work, but I feel like you've filled a niche that's been missing in baseball for a long time. Well, appreciate that. I've actually had, uh, when we first started, to get the word out, taking an All-Star Ace 5000 out some of the major tournaments. And the kids would come in there and hit off that, hit off that, hit off that, and then go out to the the actual real game. And they said, oh, I, my confidence, my ability to hit. Now, they wasn't uh, greatly improved off of just one session of the All-Star. No. You know, it, right. you've got to learn to hit real pitching. Yeah. So, But they felt confident after just just five, ten minutes, they're like, oh, I, I was picking up on that. And they went out there and they get some good hits in the tournament. It's the kids that actually either have purchased one or, or uh, a club owner or somebody who's purchased one when the kid can go in daily and work on it for just a two, three, four months. 100 points across the board, baseball and fast point, fast pitch, 100 points to the batting average. We're seeing it everywhere. We're getting phone calls. And so 100 points is a lot. Yeah, it's absolutely. Awful lot. Yeah. So think about it. a kid that could hit maybe three fifty, something like that. Could they really hit four fifty? I think your son is uh, Caleb Martin. He's hitting five hundred. I mean, <laughs> these are numbers that you're just not going to get just by soft toss and all that. So when you got children hitting over four fifty in baseball. It's an amazing feat. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And if you uh, ever want to find out more about the All Star Ace Five Thousand, you need to get a hold of uh, uh, Mr. Joyner and we'll talk, tell you how to do that. But uh, I really feel like, too, the big thing, big selling point of yours, too, these machines that were out there before yours were so astronomically high in price. You brought that price down a third, over two-thirds of what the original prices were. So if anyone is interested in finding and getting more details about the All-Star Ace 5000, how do they do that? Two ways. They can go to the website, which is www.com allstarbp.com and BP is bat, stands for batting practice and all starts all together or they can call me on the phone 770-867-1957 and by the way if you mentioned you heard it on Docs and Jocks that'll go a long ways too as well hey we want to say thank you Mr. Joyner for coming on uh, Docs and Jocks man what a great great invention uh, owner I love the way your mind thinks you come from a family by the way that helped put the first man on the moon there's another side story to that but All-Star Ace 5000 virtual pitching machine video simulator one of the greatest things that has come out in all of baseball training in my mind thank you so much for being on we'll have you on again real soon thank you enjoyed it alright hey we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks Sports Medicine Radio Show after this short commercial break are you a musician that wants to put your music out in the world? Well, check out Barefoot Studios. They are a new premier recording studio and record label here in Texas. Come take off your shoes and record your next big hit at Barefoot Studios. It's 15 minutes outside of Abilene. You can give them a call at 325-864-3679. Barefoot Studios, bringing your music to life. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by West Texas Neurosurgery, Abilene Tech, and Sports Clips. Touchdown. Now, back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. Great to have you listening today. Hey, if you're just catching our show for the very first time, want to find out more about Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show, you can do so by going to doxnjox.com, that's doxandjocks.com, or to our iTunes podcast. You can listen to us anytime, anywhere by popping up on uh, our podcast there on iTunes and listening to Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X. Subscribe and be part of our listening audience that way as well. Uh, ma'am, 
Hawk, we were uh, talking this week. Uh, Brandon Hawk is my co-host, a uh, longtime athletic trainer with the Dallas Cowboys and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. We were talking, uh, you and I were uh, off air about Augie Garrido. Uh, if you don't know who Augie Garrido is, uh, he was uh, the he is the all-time winningest college baseball coach. He uh, became most famous uh, when he won his first three college world series with cal state fullerton who became one of the premier programs in the country after augie took over and then he went on uh, with university of texas i want to say uh, being from the proud state of illinois that he did uh, play a uh, coach at university of illinois had a couple of their best years ever there and then he goes on at university of texas and wins two more college world series and so five college world series as a uh, you know, manager with the, the Longhorns as well as with Cal State Fullerton. He had 1,975 wins, all-time winningest coach, like I said, versus only 951 losses. And Augie Garrido uh, sadly passes away this week. He was 79 years of age. He had just made a public appearance. He was down, I believe, uh, with the LSU coach, and they were uh, doing a public appearance, and he did a long talk. He's written several books uh, basically about uh, philosophy of baseball and life. Uh, he uh, was a philosophy major in college so his books are very very interesting he talks more about how you think about baseball than actually the uh, x's and o's of baseball though he was very good at that obviously as well when 1975 games Uh, he sadly passed away this week Uh, he passed away by a cerebrovascular accident uh, better known as a stroke which is uh, there's different types of cerebrovascular accidents the most common is uh well, call an ischemic stroke, where you block the blood vessel that supplies a portion of your brain, and so that portion of your brain no longer works. And if it's a very, very important part of your brain or a massive uh, stroke, sometimes uh, it's fatal. And as it was in Augie Garrido's case, remember if you're ever worried about strokes, uh, their the risk factors are very similar to uh, cardiovascular disease because remember it's just a blood vessel being blocked in your brain, and as opposed to a blood vessel being blocked in your heart. So it's hypertension. Uh, high triglycerides, uh, high cholesterol. Uh, it's anything that basically makes you uh, block blood vessels. So smoking would be up there. Diabetes would be up there. So lots of risk factors, some of them that are treatable, some of them aren't. I mean, you have genetically a predisposition to having strokes as well as heart attacks. But uh, sadly lose Augie Garrido this week. And so the college baseball world is mourning. And really, you know, it's not just college baseball, but all us baseball fans who followed his career and followed the Longhorns. I've had lots of friends and family members uh, that we love watching college baseball. And uh, University of Texas is always one of the premier programs in the country. So I thought we could have on uh, Hawk. I thought we'd have on a good friend of ours, uh, Scotty Sanchez. He was a 20-year head high school baseball coach with Abilene High, led them to uh, lots and lots of wins. And he is now the uh, director of the Forge Abilene uh, Baseball Academy. And I thought we'd have Scotty on just to give us a perspective, Scotty. Uh, First of all, thanks for being on Docs and Jocks. Yeah, good to be back. And give us a perspective as a college baseball coach doing it uh, for 20 years. It coincided with the same time that Augie Garrido was also uh, becoming the all-time winningest college baseball coach. Kind of what that means uh, in the baseball world, losing an icon like Augie Garrido. And by the way, you played at New Mexico State and actually played against Augie Garrido when he was at Cal State Fullerton, as I did at uh, Grand Canyon University. But uh, give us your take on uh, the passing of Augie Garrido and what that means to the baseball world. Well, you definitely, that's uh, it's a huge loss. Uh of course, you know, we had an opportunity to see what he was doing at Cal State Fullerton, and you could tell um, just with, uh, they were one of the best uh, college baseball programs at that time while he was there, and you could see the upgrade in facilities and, you know, how much uh, how much care um, he had for that uh, for that program. And then uh, when I was a young baseball coach, we had an opportunity at the Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association uh, Conference, which was taking place in Waco. Um, he spoke. And after he spoke, I mean, he took a little bit of time to hang out with some of us young guys and went to the uh, went to his hotel room. And you know, we were we were blessed that this this gentleman who uh, you know would take uh, you know forty five minutes to hang out with the, some of the young guys. And that conversation, like you said, um, you know, we went and thought we were going to talk baseball. And about fifteen minutes into it, you realize you're talking about <laughs> yeah. uh, you're talking about uh, a life and, and a philosophy that he had. And uh, there's uh, obviously after coming away from that, I mean, there was. Uh, there was nobody that was a harder worker than Augie Greedo. Yeah. One of the things he was known for was uh, really his talking about not only baseball, but life like you talked about. He really, really wanted his players to respect the game. They said in his uh, later years, part of one of the reasons he became, he was always a kind of a fiery coach. One of the reasons he became more fiery was because he didn't feel like people respected the game as they should and weren't hustling out every play and weren't necessarily showing the game respect. But he was also known as a kind of a fiery coach, and he could have those moments. I'm sure all, all baseball coaches do at times, but uh, speak to us about uh, you know Augie Garrido and his philosophy that baseball really taught you life. Well, there's no question. One of the first things he did when he got to Texas, and he spoke to us about this a little bit, was uh, he felt like the Texas kids were a little bit coddled. 
um, the kids that he inherited from the previous coach. And one of the first things he did <laughs> was he painted the locker room just white. Um, you know, he took he got rid of the logo. Um, he uh, gave them just plain T-shirts with no, no logo on it for practice, and uh, you know, let them know that they had to earn the logo again. You know, it was wow. time to get back to to what uh, was really important and to forget about. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know how well uh, Augie would have done in today's. Uh, you know, how well he would have been accepted in today. He's kind of like a. Uh, you might compare him to uh, a Bobby Knight of Bear baseball. Bryan, uh, Bear Bryant, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, love the game, but also hard on his players. Uh, you know, hard on, but those hard on his players, but those that uh, understood what ultimately he was trying to do, uh, love the guy. And, uh, you know, there's not very many college coaches that have an open-door policy for high school guys. And uh, one thing that we knew is we could walk in there at any given time, and he was going to find a minute to uh, to take care of us. So, you know, as hard as he was on, on, on his players, uh, ultimately, I think we need more Augie Garinos. Yeah, awesome. Hawk, you have a question for Coach Sanchez? Yeah, you know, Coach Sanchez, as Dr. Dan mentioned, you know, I spent some time at Texas Tech, and so obviously I got to see a lot of Coach Augie Garino from the opposite dugout. Um <laughs> uh, it's, you know, he's just one of those guys that every time he walked on the baseball field, you ultimately had his respect. You know, it was just one of those figures that you just respected a lot. And so I thought that was really cool that you mentioned that, you know, even someone as high of a figure as he was, that for him able to give back and teach you young coaches, what does that say like a coach like that for you? You know, for us, it's, uh, it's everything. You know, when you're a young guy and you're just trying to earn your way up in the ranks and trying to earn some respect yourself with what you're trying to do, and you have a guy that just takes a minute that's already been through that and he acknowledges you and, and makes you feel like, you know, what you do is important. Um, and then when you have the conversation with him and you realize, man, maybe this isn't as much about baseball as we think it is. It's more about uh, trying to give kids some direction and, and a way to make it through life. I mean, I can't tell you, Brandon, man, it, it's huge. You know, one of the stories about Augie Garrido was he not only before uh, was he the all-time winningest college baseball coach, but he played in the College World Series as a player as well. He played for Cal State Fullerton, and uh, he he lost. And he says that he learned a ton from that. He was the best hitter. He went on to have a um, professional career. He didn't play the big leagues, but he played minor league baseball. And he said that uh, he, during the uh, College World Series game, I believe it was against Oklahoma State, he made some bad plays in the field. He had an 0 for night. And he sat on the curb next to the bus, and he was just basically crying his eyes out. But, you know, but he said, when I got up, I stood on that curb, and I said, I'll be back, and I will beat you. And so he said uh, he learned a ton from how he learned to overcome the failure of his first go-around College World Series, and then he decided he was going to use that as a motivation. He said, you know, you know, failure could make you do one of two things. Either you can try and learn how not to fail or failure can uh, cause you to fail. And so he said he was going to learn from that event. I thought that was a great life lesson from Augie Rito as a player. Sure. Uh, you know, and one of the things that we would do as, uh, you know, as a young coach, uh, you'd try to go watch the Longhorns, you know, now that he was close by and you had an opportunity. If you could, you'd sneak down near their dugout and try to listen to the conversations that he was having with his players so you could pick up something that maybe could help you and your program down the line. And it was amazing, like you said, as, as much as he talked to those guys about baseball, you know, from inning one through inning nine, he talked to those guys about uh, how that – particular play could be you know effective for them later on outside of the game you know there's a great uh, he, one of his books life is yours to win uh, you know a great book about philosophy and, and how baseball you know america's uh, america's game uh, are tied together and uh, you know just uh you know just a just a great great uh, individual that uh, you know unfortunately we've lost this week you know, you could probably speak to this. Uh, you at Abilene High came in. Uh, there was a famous coach at Abilene High for years and years, Blackie Blackburn, and then a couple as well. But The best. And then you go, but this is kind of what Augie Garrido did. At Cliff Gustafson, one of the greatest, I believe, Augie beat him as the all-time winningest coach in college baseball. I could have that wrong, but I think Gustafson had a first, and then Augie Garrido surpassed him. So after Gustafson left, those are big shoes to feel, feel, feel at University of Texas, and only a guy like Augie Garrido, really, could have done that and did that very well. But speak to that following a great tradition, a coach that's done very, very well, how that's some, that's that's a tough role for anybody to fill. But Augie Garrido obviously figured out how to do it. Yeah, well, you know, those guys set the tradition. Um, you know, if it's not for Blackie Blackburn and Chuck Mosier, uh, we don't have the success that we've uh, that we've had. You know, that uh, it, Steve Warren and, uh, and uh, I was blessed to have been 
brought into the program by Jim Reese, who had played for Blackie. Um, so I started to learn a little bit about Blackie's philosophy and the tradition um, that they had set in the 50s. And then, you know, Jim had a good run in, in the, the late 90s. And then uh, Coach John's dad, uh, Darren Lackey. Uh, was my immediate boss, and I was a pitching coach. And when he decided to move to the Metroplex, I was able to take over. And the first thing we did was we went and saw, you know, I got a couple of seniors. We went and saw Blackie, um, who at that time was at uh, the Sears Methodist uh, uh, Center. Uh, he <laughs> an unbelievable um, relationship that he had with his wife, and they were separated at the time because he had broken his arm. But, uh, you know, we took him a hat, and uh, when Blackie looked at me and said, well, there's a familiar face, you know, just like meeting a uh, Augie Garrido, you can't yeah. imagine. Imagine what that does for a, a young person's confidence. And, uh, you know, we'd brought him an Abilene high hat. He was wearing a fishing hat. And as we were leaving, you saw that old fishing hat taken <laughs> off his head. And he put on that Abilene high hat. And I had That's two awesome. 18-year-olds and two 18-year-old uh, seniors in, in tears. And, and you realize that, you know, this this goes beyond uh, anything that you can do within the, that diamond. That, uh, you know, it plays an importance in everything that you do. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hawk, you have a question for Coach Sanchez? Yeah, Coach Sanchez, you know, as a as a head coach, you know, you guys are trying to do so much during the ball game. And uh, one of the things that I got to see about Coach Garrido, I was going to ask if you kind of found yourself in the same role, but he not only was he so involved in the technical aspects of the game, you know, a lot of the signs and everything were going through him, but it looked like, you know, there was always when that kid was struggling that day, it was O for it. He was always going in there and putting his hand on someone's shoulder and, you know, giving them a little bit of advice. I know there were a lot of other things that people were like, man, he was very hard. But I did see a lot of times where he was putting his hand on the kid's back and really uplifting them. Speak to that with when your, your years of coaching. Oh, there's no question. You know, you've got to gauge, uh, you know, what motivates each and one of your players. And uh, he was good about doing that. You know, if somebody needed to be uplifted, don't get me wrong. Rocky just wasn't going to chew your tail. He was going to uh, know when you needed to be uplifted, and he was going to be the first one there to do that. And he encouraged his team to do so also. Um, you know, when I was a head baseball coach, I was blessed um, that I could focus a lot on that kind of stuff, on the relationship part of it, because I, you know, like Augie did, I, you know, I had an incredible uh, coaching staff that was with me. So I had a guy that was calling pitches that I trusted to call pitches. I had a guy that was watching our offense that was uh, entrusted to do that kind of deal. And I was able to spend a lot of time just looking over the entire ball game, seeing, you know, what type of what type of tempo we needed to try to get to and, uh, you know, try to make sure that our minds are right in the dugout. And I think Augie um, was the master of that. You know, I think in terms of dugout behavior and, and, and dugout chatter, I think he was uh, very intentional in what he did to try to give the Longhorns or wherever he was the best opportunity to be victorious. And he went through several eras of baseball. You know, you, when you and I played, the you know, we had the uh, juiced bats, the juiced players. Not that you were juiced or I was juiced. <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> it's obvious. Yeah, we're, here we oh. sit. We're not a professional career here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they he played an era where, man, everybody was hitting long balls. You know, you got guys like Pete Cavilia hitting eight, 8 million home runs in a year, you know. And then you go, suddenly now, they changed over where, you know, you had BB core bats and people weren't able to, to hit the home runs they were before. And he changed into a more of a small ball player. But talk to him about how he was both successful in an era when, you know, offense reigned and then in an era where defense, pitching, and small ball reigned. And, and that was one of their, uh, you know, one of their, uh, you know, one of the things Augie preached was uh, they were going to be great pitching and, and playing defense. And, uh, you know, you can't imagine how much detail he would go to and go through in each and every practice trying to get those guys ready to make sure that it was real difficult for their opponents to score regardless of, uh, you know, regardless of advantage they may have with bat or whatever. You know, his pitchers were going to throw strikes um, and then they were going to make plays behind him. And you could see that uh, anything that they didn't do fu- fundamentally that was correct, uh, that's when Augie was, was hard on him. And, and, you know, it was, uh, they had such a mental edge on everybody that they uh, that they played you know they they uh, when they got to, when they earned the tee back at the University of Texas you know they they you know they were tough to deal with and and, and, and you know they a lot of credit is due to uh, to coach Garrido and his ability to bring out the best in each player yep hawk Hey, Coach Sanchez, I, I thought you guys would love this. This was uh, a quote about Coach Greedo from one of his great pitchers, Houston Street, and he said, uh, he said uh, his impact on baseball on the 40 acres meant so much to me, but he talked about pressure is a choice. The world treats winners different than losers. Time is the ultimate game. Passion will persuade reality. I just thought that was so good, you know. I think Houston Street really saying there, you know, he was put pressure on us, but it's because he wanted us to be like winners. And I just love the fact they said pressure is a choice. Yeah. I just thought that was so cool. I've never heard something like that. So so awesome. It's great. You know, there's a DVD out that shows a pretty good intimate uh, uh, 
show of uh, Augie Greedo. Um, inning by inning, if you have an opportunity to watch that, some are going to love it, some are going to be appalled, but it is who he was. <laughs> yeah, and it's great, man. I appreciate you, Scotty Sanchez, a 20-year high school baseball coach in the great state of Texas, talking about one of the greatest you know, college coaches of all time, one of the just greatest coaches of all time, uh, Augie Garrido, who we sadly lose this week uh, at age 79, passed away of a stroke. But, uh, man, this week I think everybody would say uh, everyone's a Longhorn fan in the state of Texas uh, just knowing that Augie Garrido is gone. So, hey, we'll be right back with more Docs and Jocks after the short commercial break. You're listening to Docs and Jocks, brought to you in part by Abilene Sports Medicine, Hardin Simmons University, and Lawrence Hall Chevrolet. Touchdown. Now, back to more Docs and Jocks with Dr. Dan and Ferris. Hey, welcome back to Docs and Jocks. This is Dr. Dan, a longtime sports medicine physician with Texas Sport and Spine. Great to have you join our show here, our sports medicine radio show. Remember, you can always uh, follow us on our all of our social media by going to Docs and Jocks, D-O-X-N-J-O-X, and uh, that's our handle on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Love to have you part of our show that way as well. I'm joined this week by Brandon Hawk, former athletic trainer for the Dallas Cowboys and Texas Tech Red Raiders. And Hawk, let's just take a minute here. Let's just take a collective sigh of relief, a slow, deep breath that is refreshing, knowing that our Texas Tech Red Raiders made it by Stephen F. Austin because that team was some pressure defense, man. Double teaming everybody out of the point guard. They just put the pressure on the on the up front guys, man. Made it tough. It was yeah. a good game. It was, tied. it was tied with like three minutes to go. Yeah, you know, like you said, you know, you texted me earlier that morning about the game. And I, yeah. <laughs> I was very honest with you. I was like, I'm, I'm scared, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but you're right. I mean, I was not able to relax until no. about two or three minutes left in the game. We're up yeah. by eight. Right. And I was just like, oh, man. Goodness. Kept missing our free throws, which killed oh. us too as well. Yeah. And then, you know, Keenan Evans, the great guard we talked about last week, you know, coming off that turf, turf, turf toe injury. And he kind of looked okay and turned it on really in the second half. But, uh, you know, got a tough game tomorrow night. Uh, against uh, Florida. So yeah. um, it, they're all tough. And uh, hopefully, you know, with the previous injuries the Red Raiders have, they're, they're going to be okay and hopefully keep playing. Turf toe, by the way, is now named that. It's the, it's the injury in the joint of your big toe, the one that attaches the toe to the foot. So it's called your uh, first metatarsal phalangeal joint and it's of your foot. And it's so it, 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 when you go up on your toes, and it's, think about backpedaling, you're always up on your toes. It's very, very difficult to do that when you sprain that joint. And you not only injure the joint, which is swollen, there's ligaments around that joint that oftentimes are sprained as well. Also, our toe will sometimes, you know, your big toe will be in a valgus position or pointed out your big toe will be pointed more towards your little toe that puts a lot of strain on that joint as well so when you have turf toe in your basketball player everything you do hurts i mean yeah. cutting running backpedaling jumper you know shooting it's, it's just it's just all painful so people say oh what's a big deal if a big, if a big toe's hurt i mean it's a big deal man if your big toe is hurt and you are a quick cutting point guard or you're like uh classic one was uh, Deion Sanders, the cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys and 49ers when he had turf toe and people were giving a hard time. But that's a very difficult injury in a cutting fast point guard for sure. So thank goodness our Texas Tech Red Raiders made it past uh, the round 64, now into 32 playing Florida. Uh, man, you cannot say the same for Arizona who just got <laughs> waylaid by Buffalo, man. <laughs> if, if you just drop in from another planet and you watch that game, I was just like, Buffalo is dominating this game. It wasn't even close. They played that pressure defense again. I think that's what throws off a lot of teams. If you come from a Pac-12, Big 12, I'm sorry, Big 10, you don't typically see that style of pressure defense. I think it's what threw Texas Tech off, you know, uh, against Stephen F. Austin. I think it's what really just threw Arizona for a loop is you got this team now pressing you hard, double teaming you up front. And unless you've seen that and played against it, that's just a different style of basketball you've got to be ready for. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Dan, like you said, I mean, it's just they have, when they're used to one way, you know, and this team just completely flips script on them. Yeah. They're like, uh, what do we do? Our identity of our team has to change. And, you know, you hope you see a lot of these teams make adjustments at halftime. And luckily for the Red Raiders, they made the right adjustments. And eventually it's like maybe they got a little bit tired at the end, Stephen F. Austin, who knows. But uh, it was scary for sure. Well, what I think did it was, if you looked at Evans, what he was able to do was he was able to break that double team. And then once you're past that double team, a great point guard, once you're past yeah. it, now you're basically on a you know five-on-three or five-on-four, and he was just able to take it to the hole, and he just changed how that team was. It, you know, couldn't stop him then. So he took it over. A great point guard can break up and stop that 
double teaming up front. Problem was with Buffalo, just nobody did that for University of Arizona, and it was just such a different style. I like what the coach had to say. He said, I've watched enough Pac-12 basketball games for a lifetime, and no one plays the style that we just put on them, which is that high-pressure, you know, up-front, in-your-face defense, which just doesn't – you don't see that very much anymore. Yeah, I was curious, the, the Arizona – uh, top draft pick. I was curious, what did you think about him last night? Did you think he was worth all the first couple rounds, or do you, did you think I that think he's going to be amazing? I mean, he's a, he's just a freak of nature as far as his ability to what he can do and what he can bring to court. I think he'll, I don't think this will necessarily hurt his you know draft status, but you know. I am a little tired of hearing about the whole uh, Sean Miller that they lost because their coach was involved in this or that. Yeah. I think they lost because the other team played a pressure defense that they just hadn't experienced yet. So I, I and I know it all plays in together. The team, yeah. more, you know, remember the recruiting coordinator. And if you've ever been through this college deal before, in a lot of ways, your recruiting coordinator is the guy you know best from the team. Um, you know, I've been in through the college baseball world both as myself and my son being recruited, and I knew the guy that was recruiting me much better than I knew the head coach. Well, that guy, I believe, for Arizona got arrested early in the season. So <laughs> that's the that's the dude that everybody knows that you've been dealing with, and that is really an integral part of who you are when you're picking a school. That's the guy, the face of the school. And so this started a long time ago. Yeah. The Sean Miller accusation that they have him on on you know teleconference talking about you know buying players that came later but the really one the tough one for a player in my my opinion is losing the guy that you really knew as the franchise or as the team yeah you know was recruiting coordinator that happened early so they had a good season after that happened so yeah they've been dealing with this a long time i just think they ran into a buzzsaw buffalo what is it buffalo bulls i think it is yeah, i think you're right <laughs> yeah. which i was like Defense, wow yeah but in the player we're talking about reference to is deandre ayton was his name and you look at his stats last last night, 14 points. I mean, you know, when your top scorers aren't scoring, you're probably not going to win. Yeah, they just put such a pressure defense on him. I did not like the way, though, they, they – uh, I felt like they kind of – just stop playing with about seven minutes to go. I mean, a great team, no matter what the deficit is, if you really feel like you're the great team, you're going to continue to press on. I don't feel like they had that. I think earlier in the show, our last interview we just had with uh, Coach Scotty Sanchez, he was talking about respecting the game and how Augie Garrido always respected the game and he didn't like guys that didn't respect the game. Part of respecting the game is playing hard when you're down. Yeah. Even no matter what the score, the last minute you're down by ten, you're still playing hard because that's the way to, do, to play the game right. You disrespect the game when you start uh, sloughing off because you think, oh, it's all is lost seven to ten minutes into the game. The, the great Jimmy Keeling just reminded us that when he described what "stay purple" meant, he said, "You know, there are times in the game where yeah. you might be out of it. Yeah, but we don't need you playing for the other team." And I never thought of that. You know, when a player's not going 100 percent, giving their all, they're helping the other team. Yeah. And so that was that was a great quote. By Stay Coach, purple, man. Stay Coach purple, Jimmy Kerr- Keeling, the, <laughs> both in the Texas high school and college uh, coaches Hall of Fame. A cool, cool dude. If you ever want to miss uh, listen to a previous interview we've had with Coach Keeling, we've been privileged and honored to have him on several times. You can do that by going to docsandjocks.com, D-O-X-N-J-O-X.com, and Coach Jimmy Keeling, one of the greatest coaches that you will ever meet or ever get to talk to. So always uh, love talking to him. Hey, uh, we're going to have on at the end of this segment, I just want to remind everybody, we're going to have on our Middle Strength Minute with lovely Miss Tracy Mutton talking about something uh, that has to, and I haven't heard it yet, so uh, where she's going to be talking something about how to use your mental strength to make you better. And remember, there's lots of ways to get better. You can work on your physical body. You can work on better sleep habits. You can work on better nutrition habits. And by the way, you can work on your mental strength. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, Augie Garrido had a great quote, failure could cause you to fail, or you can learn to overcome failure, how not to fail. So, you know, that's a mental way of thinking about things that will keep you in a game. Maybe when you're down to the Buffalo Bulls uh, with seven minutes to go and you feel like the game's over that will allow you to continue playing hard no matter what the situation is and so always always remember that but lovely miss tracy mutt will be coming on talk about that as well hey uh, san antonio uh, beat the pelicans uh, last yesterday and, and remember the san antonio spurs right now they're one of those teams that this could get really really interesting they look like right now they're in the eighth spot and they were they're tied with utah and utah right now owns the tiebreaker but if they play out they've won a couple in a row if they play out and they're able to get in the seventh spot and there are rumors that Kawhi Leonard is coming back. He was hopefully going to be back yesterday. He hasn't been back yet from a uh, nagging quad injury. He's missed all but nine se- nine games this entire season. He is their uh, 
uh, all-star uh, power forward. And Kawhi Leonard is one of those players that the Spurs just need if they're going to be in the caliber of teams that are in the West. You got Golden State. You got probably the Rockets looking the best. They they they've looking at a, a new reinvigorated Portland this year, which is cr- doing crazy stuff. So if the Spurs are truly going to make a run, they need Kawhi Leonard back to go along with the uh, aging Tony Parker and Ginobili and, and, and their entire team. And so if he comes back for the playoffs, Kawhi Leonard, and he is the player he has been the last few years, which is amazing, that puts them in possibly the seventh spot in the West. Well, you got Golden State right now who looks like they're going to end up falling to the number two spot behind Houston. And they are ailing because of all their injuries. You could have Golden State at number two, San Antonio at number seven. San Antonio gets Kawhi Leonard back, and they're healthy. And Golden State has Steph Curry with a recurring ankle injury. You got Clay Thompson, who has a shooting hand injury to his thumb. Draymond Green, who's got injuries to his shoulder and his elbow. And you got Kevin Durant, who's day to day with some rib injuries. That could be an incredible first round. I'm not sure if I'm Golden State. I want to see a healthy San Antonio Spurs team with a healthy Kawhi Leonard. Man, that could be a lot of fun that first round. I absolutely agree with you, Dr. Dan. You know Greg Popovich is licking his chops. Just let me get in. And uh, especially with the injuries you just talked about with all those guys in Golden State, I mean, that that's a team that needs all those guys. And without them, I don't see them getting past the first round. Yeah. Uh, you talked about Livingston being on the squad. I think they got Nick Young, the former Clipper, on their squad. But yeah, other than that, bad. I mean, real deep. that's real, you know, maybe they have some guys in their system we don't know about. Yeah. But, uh, it's always a silver lining. It's always a chance for somebody when you finally make it on the court. But your favite saying that I've enjoyed is everyone's second string for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Hey, but San Antonio lost to the Pelicans. The Pelicans were wanting to win, especially when their owner, uh, Tom Benson, just passed away. He was 90 years of age. Uh, he was both the uh, Pelicans and the New Orleans Saints owner. And Tom Benson passed away at age 90. And I just wanted to mention this because he passed away of complications of the flu. And I hear people say this all the time, is that I didn't get a flu shot because, uh, you know, I didn't get the flu last year. The one year I got the flu shot, it caused me to get the flu. Just giving you a, an idea, a flu vaccine it decreases your risk. It doesn't decrease it to zero, right? They're trying to guess ahead of time of the virus strain that's coming your way. So if it decreases your risk of getting the flu from 50% down to 20%, wouldn't you want to do that? Remember, the flu and the flu epidemics have has been one of the largest killer of human beings uh, since civilized man. So uh, poor Tom Benson uh, passes away of complications of the flu, and I think it's very, very wise to get your flu vaccine, especially if you're one of those categories of people, for whatever reason, you have something that affects your immune system, uh, you are ailing uh, elderly, it affects the elderly and the very, very young especially. So if you are immunocompromised for any reason, I think you should get the flu vaccine. But yeah, they wanted to win that game the pelicans did for their owner but i think there's been a lot of turmoil now i don't know the story exactly but it sounds like tom benson pretty much wrote everybody in his family out of the will and took his uh, new wife his second wife and wrote her into the will so she is now the owner of the pelicans and the new orleans saints yeah i'm sure the the family is not too happy with (laughs) all this and it's kind of a sad deal to see it all in like that with his family and stuff uh you know tom benson was one of the main guys helped rebuild the city of New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. So just a phenomenal uh, entrepreneur and uh, just uh, great for the NFL and the NBA. Uh, We lived actually in Texas and was a big uh, uh, component to the University of Incarnate Word in San Antonio. So uh, he's just been a lot of help for a lot of programs and uh, sad to see him go. Yeah, two great Texans, uh, Tom Benson and Augie Garrido. I mean, Augie Garrido is 79 years of age. Uh, We interviewed Scotty Sanchez talking about him. But, man, you see these uh, men who have helped build, you know, really, uh, what would you say the word is? They've just, I mean, you've got the Saints with uh, what they've done and now the Pelicans with... Uh, you know, Davis, Anthony Davis, you know, kind of building him up. And then you have uh, Augie Garrido, who really built a whole entire dynasty with his college baseball career uh, coaching, both with Cal State Fullerton and now University of Texas. And it's sad to see when you see guys like that go. They don't come around again. I mean, the uh, Augie Garrido's uh, of the world, it's going to be a long time before someone beats his record as far as the number of wins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, even the University of Texas now, I think they have David Pierce as their coach over I there. I like him. I like David Pierce, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and, you know, it's just, could you imagine the stepping in the roles? Like, you got to replace Augie Garrido. Who know? just replaced Cliff Gustafson. <laughs> yeah. Cliff Gustafson was the all-time winningest coach. Who they gets replaced by Augie Garrido, who becomes the all-time winningest coach. And now David Pierce. No pressure, son. I got to tell you a quick Augie Garrido story. So, we lost one game in Lubbock, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to irritate Augie Garrido. So, he used to put uh, athletic tape on of our on the, the railing toward the field. It was a hard plastic deal. Well, he put duct tape or uh, athletic tape and he would tap them for his signals. So they beat us the first night. So I was like, I'm going to have to make Huggy Greedo redo his tape. So I took his <laughs> tape off. <laughs> Next day, I see him over there putting it back on. <laughs> Next night, I took it off again. Dude, you messed with the all-time winningest yeah, college coach ever, man. It didn't work well on our It favorite. didn't work well. No, it's it bummer. Didn't. Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking to uh, former big leaguer Corey Aldridge, probably the best hitter to ever come out of the big country. We'll be right back with more of that on Docs and Jocks, your sports medicine radio show. One of the things we remind our clients of on a regular basis is the concept of sports amnesia. By this, we mean that it's extremely important for an athlete to learn from any mistakes, but then to quickly move on from them. For many athletes, it is their natural inclination to relive the mistake over and over. The athlete may replay his error, miss shot, or strikeout many times in his mind, wishing he could have done something different, that he could replay it again. But this mindset can be extremely detrimental to the athlete. When he replays a bad play over and over in his mind, he actually creates mental muscle memory for that bad play. It is so important for the athlete to visualize positive imagery and see himself replaying it correctly and perfectly so he is mentally prepared to execute the play the next time. The great John Wooden has said, You can't do anything about yesterday, and the only way to improve tomorrow is by what you do right now. If you or an athlete you know is interested in learning on how to develop sports amnesia and to be mentally prepared for the next game, you can contact The Edge Mental Strength Training by clicking on our link at docsandjocks.com. This has been your Mental Strength Minute. Are you a musician that wants to put your music out in the world? Well, check out Barefoot Studios. They are a new premier recording studio and record label here in Texas. Come take off your shoes and record your next big hit at Barefoot Studios. It's 15 minutes outside of Abilene. You can give them a call at 325-864-3679. Barefoot Studios, bringing your music to life. 